Welcome to the IH Podcast, where we profile fellows of the Institute for the Arts and Humanities here at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I'm Philip Hollingsworth, Coordinator for Faculty Programs. The Fellows Program, Michelle Berger, interviews Professor Kim Strom Godfrey, Director of the Academic Leadership Program. In their discussion, Dr. Strom Godfrey reflects on her eight years as director and her future plans in her professional development. What is academic leadership and what does the academic leadership program try to do for faculty? Well, you know, there are probably as many definitions of leadership as there are people who've written about leadership. Um, The uh, definition we like to use here is that it's cultivating willing followership toward a common goal. And in this case, in higher education, it's toward the goals that academia identifies in terms of research and engagement and teaching. One of the reasons we purposely choose the definition we, we choose is because sometimes people interchange or they conflate title with leadership role. And it's our belief that people can lead in a lot of ways, people who are um, leading their research teams or their labs people who are leading change efforts in their departments without necessarily being the chair or the director of graduate studies, that those people are doing profound leadership. I think in academia and academic leadership, there are some peculiarities that are unique to higher education, one being tenure and the diversity of people that one is trying to lead uh, from students to staff to faculty to alums and donors and and the like. So we hope that people get insights about themselves that help them improve their leadership and also create the relationships because a very firm belief of ours is that leadership can be a really lonely place. People have to take courageous stances about difficult issues. They have to make decisions and hold confidences that they might otherwise wish that they could share more transparently. And so the opportunity to create a cohort or a forum, as we call it, of folks who've been through the seminars together helps to make it less lonely and we think also make the leadership experience more robust and stronger. So when you became director of the program, you were already coming with deep faculty expertise in areas of ethics, moral courage. What do you feel like you really brought to the program, and how did you make it your own as you were kind of stepping in? I think part of what I brought was just my administrative experience in the nonprofit sector, and so uh, sort of a way of thinking how to make the train, how to make systems work, and how to systematize things. So we made a couple of changes over the years and tried to reduce the reading load and to really pick more significant kinds of readings expanding the check-in, having the facilitators, myself and my co-facilitator, share about ourselves more. So those are a few of the, those are a few of the things. And I can, I can add that you make leadership practice visible, irresistible, <laughs> contagious, and very accessible to people coming from a variety also of ranks, associate to senior professors. I think that's one of the distinctive things that you bring, that Mm -hmm. that the work is challenging, but we're going to do it together and you're Mm -hmm. going to get the the tools and skills that you need. What have you learned about yourself? I wish I could go back and do past leadership roles over again, learning what I've learned and, you know, the content 
may not vary uh, greatly from year to year, but the wisdom of the fellows, and I feel like that's been the hu a huge gift. So I think about 64 uh, fellows have come through the program during my uh, tenure of leadership, and each and every one gave me insights, and I mean, in addition to making me feel really blessed to be able to work with such smart people in the same institution. Also, more humility for the complexity of the situations that people deal with. My work is in ethics, and I deal with, help people with dilemmas all the time. The, you can't make up dilemmas that are as, you know, complex and nuanced as those that the fellows experience and share. And so I think it's really helped me to think more deeply about how we take these concepts of leadership and apply them to really novel situations. So one of the things that you would share uh, over the course of at least my time in the fellows program is uh, that you like to hold dinner parties. So I'm curious, who are the three leaders, academic leaders or otherwise, that you would love to spend an evening with? There are a couple of people whose perspectives, who I don't know personally, who I would love to get at the table. One is uh, Teresa Sullivan, who's the president at UVA. And Part of what I think is an interesting, I would want to learn about her story is she was encouraged, coerced, forced to resign and had a wellspring of support. And that the, the question that's always interesting for me is how do people rebound from problems? James Duderstadt, Jim Duderstadt, mm -hmm. who we read or have read one of his books, um, a leader, University of Michigan, among other places, and also really dealt with challenging situations around affirmative action and one in those where you have to have a real firm moral compass and among I'm, I'm very interested in his views uh he served on the spellings commission he's uh, definitely a player and i got a feeling he knows a lot of the way things work on a larger scale that i'd be interested in hearing and then a third is uh one of the people who inducted me into this role who's dick edwards who's the equivalent of provost at rutgers and he's always willing to mix it up so he would be in in addition to my interest in sort of how his views have evolved i would be interested in and also as a person who's faced a lot of uh, challenges and crises in the in the workplace and continues to move advance his uh, organization forward so do you see any differences or challenges for female faculty as they think about themselves as leaders or as they try to embody leadership on campus versus male faculty leaders? And if that's not a distinction, if there's another kind of distinction that you've seen? I think the con context matters. And so I'm always mindful about the risk of overgeneralizing. But I do think there are challenges for female leaders and that may also be true of leaders um, from previously disenfranchised groups or from other socioeconomic groups. Part of the issue is part of your legitimacy. How do do people respect that you have a right to be here and that you have a right to, you know, part of the followership is how do the followers see the leader? And sometimes mm -hmm. that followership is framed by what kinds of disciplines they, they came up in with, what kind of culture and time folks came up with. So I know that you will have a presence here at the IH because this is one of your many homes, but what's next for you as you transition out of this role? Well, the very next thing, actually, which starts on Friday, I'm going to be 
in Saudi Arabia teaching female deans and chairs about value-based leadership, authentic leadership, and also about how to develop and support uh, new leaders. That's really exciting. It's going to be, yes. I, I think it's going to be a fabulous learning experience for me, and I hope also a cooperative and fruitful relationship with them. been doing some work with social work educators in Southeast European countries, many of the former Yugoslavian and Soviet countries, republics, to help them develop leadership and, and academic credentials to then take on uh, formal leadership positions in their universities. I'm working with, actually, my very first social work professor is one of the leaders of that initiative, and she uh, has involved me in it. And um, really need to carve out the space to get a book on courage done, um, working on this book, Cultivating Courage. And everything I learn about leadership tells me more about why courage is needed and also where people are acting with incredible courage. And I just don't want to let those stories go. Those need to be chronicled, and I'm committing myself to doing that. Well, this is really exciting to hear what's next, and I believe you'll be active with the forums in some capacity. Right. I'm, I'm hoping, I don't know what we're going to call it, but sort of thinking of it as the forum whisperer. Um, <laughs> the forums have been the ongoing manifestations of the seminars. Some of the forums are have been very robust and meet weekly, and I mean monthly, excuse me, and others meet occasionally but put out the bat signal when there's a crisis or a decision that a fellow has to make. And I think some of the others need some consult and support, and it'll be really fun because I know that there are people that really feel they're losing out by not having that forum experience. So I hope I can help with that. Well, thank you, Kim. It, it has been a pleasure talking to you, and thank you for all that you've given to the IH and um, supported more junior faculty like myself. I guess I'm not so junior anymore. Yeah, nice try. <laughs> um, and your, your deep work and commitment on leadership. Thank you so much. Check back at ih.unc.edu for the latest news on our fellows and upcoming events at Hyde Hall. You can find all our episodes of the podcast on our website as well as iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at IH underscore UNC.